Good morning. Grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it was, it was back. We had coffee on the, the patio today, as Pastor Mark mentioned. It was great to be able to have that time. You know, one of the, the kids for kids' time was walking out and asked the question, you know, why do we have coffee on the patio on Sunday? And I said, well, it's for a time for us to have fellowship together. And the little boy, he shook his head, and I said, no. I said, he said, that's not what my dad says. I said, why, why do you have coffee on the patio? What does your dad say? He said, you give us coffee on Sunday on the patio so we can stay awake for Pastor Mark's sermons. <laughs> Bunny costume. That wasn't me. No, but seriously, we got, the, we got the coffee back on the patio today. And it is a thing, as Pastor Mark was describing, this, this little cup of thing. It's interesting. Even if you look at just generic studies in the world, people will say that somebody who is holding a cup of coffee is easier to be able to approach and to be able to, to speak to, that people actually feel drawn to them. It's a tool that we have, even here at church, to be able to have fellowship together. To be able to have fellowship together. What does that word mean to you? It's a word that we throw around in church, it's a word that's probably known to, to most of us. How would you describe that word to someone who maybe does not attend church? Think about that with me this morning. What would you say fellowship is? We'll come back to that in a little bit from now. You know, this year has been uh, super unique in a lot of different ways. We say that probably almost every Sunday. And one of the ways it's been unique is uh, I'm sure a lot of people here today have felt this. At some point over the last year, uh, maybe you have felt a time of isolation. Or maybe you felt a time of even just depression creeping in a little bit. Maybe you have felt some uncertainty. And maybe you just didn't know where to go. Maybe you felt, felt trapped. I think that's true for us as Christians. It's true for people who are, are not Christians. And in the time that we have over these next about seven weeks, we're going to continue on with the Easter story. Because Easter isn't just one day on our map. It is a big celebration that we have last week. But it's a celebration and a story that continues on throughout Scripture and continues in the life of me and you today. And so the way that we're going to do this, we're going to go through the book of 1 John, and in the book of 1 John, we're going to look at a series that's basically called A Place for Community. We want you and I and people within our world to be able to find a place in community because all of us need that. Think about our world. Started with only two individuals, Adam and Eve. Today we're up to almost 8 billion people that live on this planet. But that does not mean that just because we have those numbers that people are connected in community any more than they were a decade ago or a century ago. In fact, maybe today, people have less community than our world has ever had. Before we get to 1 John today, I want to look at our gospel lesson that Craig read for us. Thank you again, Craig. Uh, being able to look at, at a work that John writes. John writes 1 John. John writes the Gospel of John. John writes Revelation. Just for clarity today, this John that we speak about is the disciple of Jesus. He is the apostle. It is not John the Baptist. John the Baptist, John the disciple, two totally different people. If you're sitting back right now thinking, oh my gosh, I did not know that, that's okay. It's okay. That's why we come to church to be able to learn things, be able to break things down. 
two different people. The person we look at today is the disciple that is chosen by Jesus himself and is there that day when Jesus appears in our gospel text. Review that with me today because it's a, it's a really special one that we have to be able to look at. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. You and I have the privilege of looking back on Easter, of knowing what that great celebration looked like, of knowing that Christ rose for our sins. Today in our, our Easter continuation text, the disciples do not know. They do not know that Jesus has risen from the dead. They haven't seen him. They haven't really heard of this great news that they can believe this yet. In fact, they are so afraid at this time because they have seen what happens to Jesus. They know in their minds that his body is laying in a tomb, and they fear this is going to happen to us too. We were Jesus' followers. And so the disciples today in our text are sheltering in place. They are finding this, this solitude with one another. They are in, in fear of what is going to happen to them. But then something changes in their life. Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Look at how that, that, that moment changed in their life. That first scripture text, it says that they're there, they're huddled up in fear. All of a sudden, they are overjoyed. Why? Because Christ showed up. Because Jesus has risen just as he, he said. And this is what the Lord does for us. In those times when we are in isolation, in those times when, when we are in fear, God, God comes to you. But be careful, because the devil uses this concept of fear as well. In fact, both the devil and Christ come to us in times of fear, but they treat them very differently. You see, the devil tries to prey upon our fears. He loves to be able to do that to be able to, to give us artificial substitutes, to be able to replace who Christ is, to be able to replace fellowship or connection that we have with one another or that we have with God. Or on the other hand, Jesus appears when we need him most. You've been there before. And I know sometimes it, it feels like you're calling upon God to come and to show up, to say, here, you want, you want peace? Here it is. And it feels like God doesn't come at times. But he always does so at the exact moment. Even if we fast forward from here, remember Thomas isn't here that night. Thomas comes back and says, what happened? And they say, Jesus showed up. And he says, I don't believe you. Until I see the holes in his hands and the holes in his side, then I will believe. Well, Christ could have showed up right then and said, well, peace be with you too, Thomas. Here you go. He doesn't. He waits like a week, over a week, to be able to come and then appear to Thomas and to be able to give him that same evidence. But God is always there, even in our fears, to be able to come and to be able to appear, no matter what we're going through. So John takes this experience, this gospel, and he moves forward into this letter that we look at together today. This letter is penned to congregations just like the one we're a part of today, to be able to know why Jesus came for us. John is on fire, and he says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
There's that word fellowship again. You see it in two different ways mentioned there. The fellowship that you and I have together, and then the fellowship that we have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's this vertical element and also this horizontal element. But what does that word mean? Have you been thinking about it? Help me out today. If somebody came to you and asked what the word fellowship means, what would you tell them? Yell it out. Somebody give me an answer. Craig, what do you think? We already put you on the spot 50 times today. What do you think? What would you say the word fellowship means, Craig? Craig? Friendship, I love it. There was like a, a seven-year-old boy in the other service this morning said the exact same thing. Fellowship, friendship, I love it, I love it. What else? Community, I love it. Good one, Chad. Community, something that we have together with one another. Yeah, in the back. Sharing, I love it. All right, you guys are too good. We won't put the pressure on anybody else. Everybody, this front row is already sweating. I can see them down here. <laughs> Sharing, uh, community friendship. Oh man, you guys nailed it. So the word in the Greek is koinonia. Can you say koinonia? Koinonia. You're speaking Greek. All right. Koinonia. It's a, it's a connection. It's a sharing that we have with one another. And this is that principle that God is sharing with you today. This sharing and this connection that we have with Christ and that because of that, that we share with one another. And fellowship's a, it's a, it's a big deal because fellowship is what I need when I'm going through something bad. Fellowship is what, is what I need when, when, I am, when I am suffering. Those times uh, when maybe we do have moments together here on Sunday morning, but even beyond that, the times that uh, I'm a part of my, my, my life group. I see some of you in here today that are part of the life group with me. Uh, the times that we are able to, to speak together, to be able to share together, to be able to, to support one another. We are able to do those things, to reach out to one another because of what God has done for us. And it's not just us here, but these are things that we can do for people within our world today. The community that we have around us. And so think about that today in our message today. What are ways that I can fellowship with a group of people to be able to expand the horizons, to be able to reach out to people around us, because everybody needs it. Community and fellowship, that goes hand in hand. Max Lucado puts it this way, Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubt through fellowship. Hear it one more time. Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubt through fellowship. A time that you were doubting your marriage? That time that you were doubting uh, work? That time that you were doubting, you fill in the blank, whatever it was. But when somebody was there for you, to be able to talk to you, to be able to, to care for you, to be able to, to just listen to you. That's what fellowship is, and we all need it. There's a story of a woman who was in just great isolation and she needed somebody to talk to and she didn't really have many friends, didn't really have many, many family members. So she came up with a crazy idea. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a parrot to be able to have somebody to talk to. So she went out and bought a parrot, brought it home, put it in his cage and sat there and tried to talk to the parrot. 
My parent would, wouldn't talk to her, didn't say, didn't say anything. So she went back to the pet store and said, you know, this parrot isn't, isn't talking at all. And the pet shop owner said, here, give the, give the parrot a ladder. If you give it a ladder, they love ladders, hopefully they'll start talking to you then, give you guys something to talk about. Went home, took the ladder, put it in the cage. Parrot went up and down and up and down and up and down. Still didn't talk. She went back to the pet store and said, you know, he's still not talking. Here you go, a swing. Maybe you can give him this, this swing. Parrots love, love swings. She went home and put the swing in the cage. Up and down the ladder, up and down the ladder, back and forth on the swing, back and forth on the swing. Parrot still doesn't talk. So she goes back to the pet store. It's the same thing. The parrot's not talking. He said, here you go. This is what you need. You need a, you need a mirror. You need a mirror. Gives him the, give him the mirror. Goes about, puts it in the cage, up and down the ladder, up and down the ladder, back and forth on the swing, checking himself out in the mirror, like Pastor Mark over there all the time, right? And checking himself out in the mirror. <laughs> still, this parrot won't talk. Weeks go by, and the parrot's not talking, and she goes back to the pet shop and says, you know, the, this parrot still won't, won't talk. In fact, it, it's gotten worse, and he said, it's worse. And she said, what happened? He said, the parrot died. It died? He said, yeah, the, the, parrot, the parrot died. Well, did it, did it say anything? He said, yeah, right before it died. He said, what did it say? And he said, thanks for all the stuff, but are you going to give me any food? No, it's not a great one. But I like telling the story. I like the parrot picture, too. So circle with me to this point, though. How many times, and you're going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again, too. How many times do you try to artificially stimulate or provide an artificial substitute for making your life happy, for being able to, to fill the gap, to be able to try to have some purpose in life when all you really need is to actually have some, some good, hearty food. Your soul needs to, be, it needs to be fed. You need to be able to have something that's actually going to sustain you. And we pick all those ladders and swings and mirrors in our life. Just name them different things. My money, my bank account, my 401k. My car, my truck, my house, my apartment, you name all those different things. If we could just find those things, we would have happiness. Even driving in on work to, to work this morning when I was coming here, I'm driving in and there's a financial advisor talking on the radio, and he said, it doesn't even matter how much money that you make. He said, every single one of my clients, every single one, doesn't matter if they make 40000 or if they make 400000 He said, all of them just want the same thing. They just wish they could have probably double their income. If they could just have double their income, they would be fine and all their problems would be gone. And he says, and then when they finally get there, they realize they just want it again. We try to fill ourselves all the time with those false senses of security when it's sitting right there in front of us. This gift that God gives to us in, in Christ, something that's so special. And so don't lie to yourself, we're told. That's what John says as he continues on with his scripture. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Don't lie to yourself. I told you, you're going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again too. But make a, make a U-turn. Turn away from that, from that sin. Be able to get away from that 
You can do it in a lot of different ways. It is hard to sin when we are connected in that moment with fellowship with one another. It can still happen. It's hard to sin when we are connected in fellowship to our Lord in, in worship or in Bible study, devotion. It can happen, but it's harder. We have a problem, a, a big sin problem. And as Christians, we don't want to be a, a part of it. In fact, I think most people in our world don't want to be a part of it, but it's something that keeps on coming back to us over and over and over again. It's not the place that we want to stay. It's not the place that we want to belong. Every problem that you can name this morning in your life, in the life of anybody in our world, within our whole world in general, has come about, has grown because of sin. And every solution to every one of those problems ends with Christ himself. Every single one. So John wraps up our letter today. He says, My children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But, But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. I love that word, advocate. Somebody who speaks on your behalf. Somebody who would do anything on your behalf. And he comes to you today and says, that's who Jesus is. He goes to God the Father on your behalf. He does that when we pray. He does that when we're in Bible study. In fact, he, he did that for us, as we heard on Good Friday, on the cross. Goes to our Lord during that time. You hear those words from his mouth. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But even in that time of sinning, he's still patient with us. He still claims you as his child, as it mentions. And he still gives you love and that power of forgiveness. This week after Easter, Pastor Mark and I had the privilege of doing uh, three different baptisms that we had uh, that took place here in the church. People had parents in from out of town, friends in from out of town. It's a good time to be able to do baptisms. And I was doing a baptism uh, midweek this week for this little four-year-old boy. His name is uh, Chase. And the baptism font, if you've never seen it in our sanctuary, you should go check it out. It's super beautiful. And uh, it's it's about this high. And so uh, the boy came over, and he was stood, and he was about eye to eye with the, with the water. And as he was standing there, uh, I was doing the baptism, and I said, Chase, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I wiped his forehead with the little cloth and gave it to him. And as soon as I did, he puts his arms up in the air and says, I have superpowers! <laughs> I said... I said, that's, that's right, Chase. I said, you do have, have superpowers. Keep your arms up in the air. Through our advocate that speaks on your behalf, you have a, a superpower. The power of, of love and the power of forgiveness that has been given to you. That our God would give anything, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on in your life, to be able to have you claimed as his child. And just as John, on that day when he was sheltering in place with all those disciples there in fear, the Lord shows up and he says, look at my my hands, look at my side, and that fear turns into joy. Today, look at our Lord's hands, look at our Lord's side, look at what he did just for you, and throw your arms up and say, I got superpowers because of the forgiveness and love 
that Christ has given to me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to just discuss and talk about this subject of, of fellowship. Lord, we ask that you will continue to, to strengthen our congregation and congregations around the world as we uh, just have the opportunity now to hopefully open up more and be able to dive into more of these just unique times that we have with each other and that we have with you. Lord, we even pray uh, that hopefully in the future here we can start up some new life groups uh, that we can get things on track again to be able to reach out to anybody here today or people within our community that really just need to hear about the greatest advocate that has ever existed that comes for you and that comes for me. Lord, we lift all these things to just praise and give you the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen.